Let us pray. Our Father, we long for the simple beauty of Christmas, for all the old familiar melodies, familiar words and symbols that remind us of the great miracle when he who had made all things came one night as a babe to lie in the crook of a woman's arm. But in that longing, let us even more yearn for your renewed presence among us, even as we celebrate and expect the coming of your Son. Before such mystery we kneel, as we follow the shepherds and wise men to bring you the gift of our love, a love we confess has not always been as warm or sincere or real as it should have been. Now, as we enter into this Advent season, we pray that love would find its beloved and you and from you receive the grace to make it pure again, warm and real. We bring you our gratitude for every token of your love, for all the ways you have heaped blessings upon us during the year that have years that have gone. And we do pray, Lord Jesus, that as we begin this four-week journey of expectation and hope, we may do it in a manner well-pleasing to you. May all we do and say, every tribute of our hearts bring honor to your name, that we, your people, may remember your birth and feel your presence among us even yet. May the loving kindness of this Advent season and the true spirit of Christmas not only creep into our hearts this season, but there abide, so that not even the return to earthly cares and responsibilities, not all the festivities of our own devising may cause it to creep away weeping. May the joy and spirit of Christmas remain with us now and forever. In the name of Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins, and in that lovely name we pray, amen. As we begin the Christian year, we also celebrate the holy season known as Advent. It is a time when we prepare ourselves for the coming of our Messiah. Advent means coming. We celebrate these days of Advent in expectation and preparation for Christ's arrival. Tonight, our sanctuary will begin to wear its Christmas apparel. For the first time, our Christmas tree stands in the sanctuary. This day, for the first time, its lights will shine for us. As we make ready for the birth of the child by preparing the sanctuary, we make ready ourselves in the sanctuary of our own hearts. We are mindful that although it is not Christmas yet, it will be here soon, very soon. As we decorate the church tonight, not only will we explain the history of the symbols of this special season, but we will rededicate these symbols and ourselves to the service of God. Through the centuries, Christians have observed a time of waiting and expectation before celebrating the birth of the Savior at Christmas. The Advent season is a time for reflection and preparation, but its mood is joyful. Advent has been enriched by Christian tradition to reflect its distinctive Christian meaning. It proclaims the revelation of God's love as expressed in God, Christ's birth in a humble stable, his sacrificial death on the cross, and his victorious resurrection. It points to the hope of Christ coming again as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Advent makes innkeepers out of all of us, asking each of us to make room for the arrival of Christ the King. Let us today prepare him rooms in our hearts, our lives, and our homes. Please stand as we sing our first selection. It came upon a midnight clear.
in the evening air, a candle in the window, a wreath on the door, mistletoe hung high, poinsettias aflame with brilliant color, gifts beneath a lighted tree, friends around the holiday table, families reunited in love, church bells ringing. This is Christmas. Let us listen to the lessons of the years and centuries, not just to impressions of the moment. The images of the present in the biblical story are often discouraging. War, hate, famine, epidemics, a Caesar on his throne, Paul in prison, Christians being persecuted. But now, after the centuries, the Caesar is gone. Paul is a symbol of faith. Jesus, the truth and the light, is reaching out to every nation. Let us, through the great traditions of our faith, join with the shepherds of Bethlehem, the wise men from the east, and the seekers throughout the ages to welcome the one who came at Christmas. Let us at Christmas tide bring our gifts to Him, and may the messages of our songs be glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to people everywhere. And now please join me as we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. striking and most universal feature of Christmas is the use of evergreens in churches and homes. Among ancient Romans, evergreens were an emblem of peace, joy, and victory. The early Christians placed them in their windows to indicate that Christ had entered the home. Holly and ivy, along with pine and fir, are called evergreens because they never change color. They are evergreen, ever alive, even in the midst of winter. They symbolize the unchanging nature of our God, and they remind us of the everlasting life that is ours through Christ Jesus. 
Under Christian thought and sentiment, holly became widely used in church celebrations. Holly was considered as the burning bush or a symbol of Mary whose being glowed with the Holy Spirit. The red berries represented the blood drops from the cruel thorn in the crown of Jesus. Our forefathers called the procuring of the greens bringing home Christmas. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hill. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that God may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. Tonight as we celebrate and participate in the hanging of the greens and preparing the sanctuary for the Christmas season, let us listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah and prepare our hearts for the birth of our Savior. Isaiah 60, 13. The glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, and the cypress together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I shall make the place of my feet glorious. And now please join me as we sing, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Shaped in a circle, without beginning or end, the wreath is a reminder of the never-ending reign of the Messiah. It also signifies the crown, both as a sign of the kingship of Jesus and as a reminder that out of his love for us, he wore a crown of thorns. As we hang these wreaths at the entrance of the church and on the windows, let us prepare our hearts and minds as the door for the King of glory to enter. And now please join me as we sing Joy to the World.
Christmas greenery reflects European traditions, but one colorful plant which looks like a flaming star, the poinsettia, is a native to the American continent. The people of Mexico and Central America call the brilliant tropical plant the flower of the holy night. The poinsettia is a many-pointed star that has become a symbol of the Star of Bethlehem. And now please join me as we sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Pyramids, which cover our communion table, Bible, and lectern, are something like drapes and curtains in your home. With the changing colors of the church year, they attract attention and point to the significance of the season being celebrated. The objective in covering the communion table with cloths of various colors was to help focus the attention of the worshipers on the special nature of Christ as the perfect sacrifice. In the early days of Christian worship, Advent and Christmas were seen as a somber time, like Lent is today. Purple table covers were used to speak of Christ's kingship, but the mood was somber. As Christians began to share their celebration of Christmas with their non-Christian neighbors, they began to focus on the joy of the Christmas event. As the emphasis of Christmas began to change to one of joyful celebration, the color used also changed to express Christ the King in that more happy way. While purple is still used in some churches and at certain times, many Christian churches now use blue to speak of the kingship of Christ. When the occasion is joyful, 
At Advent, we wait with anticipation and celebration for our coming Christ, so our hearts sing out, O come, Emmanuel. And now please join me as we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Isaiah 60, verse 2 and 3. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. The lighting of the candles has been a part of religious worship for centuries. The Hebrews burned candles for eight days as part of their Feast of Lights. Light has been used by many religious groups to symbolize truth, while the darkness of night has been the universal symbol for evil. Since Jesus was called the light of the world in the New Testament, the lighting of the candles has become an important part of our Christian worship. When Mary and Joseph presented Jesus in the temple, Simeon referred to the Christ child as a light to lighten the Gentiles. From this statement, church leaders have used candles to symbolize the light of Christ shining throughout a broken world. As we light these candles upon our communion table, we symbolize God, Emmanuel, God with us, whose transforming power heals the world of sin and evil, war and strife, stress and turmoil suffering and despair. Jesus embodies hope and help for those held captive by their oppression. His ministry guides us to personal peace and joy through the illumination of his message of the love of God. And now please join me as we sing What Child Is This?
Advent is a time of expectation, and this is symbolized not only by the four-week period of preparation, but also by the lighting of an Advent candle in an Advent wreath on each Sunday of the season. The flame of each new candle reminds us, the worshipers, that something is happening and something more is still to come. The candles are arranged in a circle to remind us of the continuous power of God, which knows neither beginning nor ending. There's also symbolism in the colors of the candles. The three purple candles symbolize the coming of Christ from the royal line of David. He is coming as the King of Kings as well as the Prince of Peace. The pink candle represents joy. The large white candle in the center is known as the Christ candle, and it points to Jesus as the Christ, the light of the world. The Advent season is essentially one of light. Candles are lighted throughout the season to continually remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah 9, 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And now please join me as we sing We Three Kings. At this time, will the children and youth and parent helpers quietly move to the front pew to take a seat to receive the chrismons to hang on the tree. The first use of the Christmas tree was in the medieval German paradise plays held outdoors and portraying the creation of humankind. The tree of life was a fir tree decorated with apples. Later, other ornaments were hung upon them, such as paper flower and gilded nuts. In England, branches or whole trees were forced into bloom indoors for Christmas. From these beginnings, the use of a tree at Christmas was established. Today, the Christmas tree is the center of our festivities. Glittering with lights and ornaments, the Christmas tree is a part of the beauty of Christmas. In ancient times, the cedar was known as the tree of royalty, excellence, and endurance. Today, it's a reminder of the royal birth we prepare to celebrate. Our tree is decorated with chrismons. The word chrismon is a combination of two words, Christ and monogram. The word chrismon has been adopted to refer to special Christmas tree ornaments that have been developed to display symbols of Christ. The design of the chrismon has over the years been extended to represent the symbols of Christianity. All of the ornaments are done in white and gold. White represents the Lord's purity and perfection. Gold refers to the majesty and glory of God. The chrismons we place on the tree are signs and symbol of Christ as ruler, prophet, and priest. 
The larger, more elaborate chrismons on our tree follow the life of Jesus our Lord. The smaller chrismons are symbols of Christian history. The scroll of prophecy symbolizes the Old Testament promise of salvation, which God gave his people in Isaiah 9-6. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. The rose in circle has its focus on the rose. The prophecy in Isaiah is that one day the desert would bloom as the rose. This prophecy was fulfilled when a virgin conceived and bore a son and called his name Jesus. The rose hangs in the circle symbolizing eternity. The gladiolus symbolizes the incarnation, the word made flesh when Jesus came into the world as a baby. In Latin, the word gladiolus means sword. The leaves of the plant look like a two-edged sword. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. In John, Jesus is called the word made flesh and the word is a two-edged sword. The Epiphany star is also called the five-pointed star. This is the star which the wise men followed. The palm branch reminds us of Jesus' triumph entry into Jerusalem. The tiny pearls around the palm spell Hosanna, and there is a crown at the bottom for Jesus is King. The pelican in her piety is a symbol for Lent. One or two chrismon ornaments like the pelican and her piety have one color other than white and gold in the design. The colors allowed for a specific purpose, deemed significant enough to tell in Christ's story. For example, when there is no food available, the pelican will pick her own breast, shedding her blood and giving life for her children. The red drops of blood on the breast and the ornament remind us of Christ's shedding of blood for us on the cross so that we may have eternal life. The cross is the symbol of the Lord's sacrifice for our sins. It appears on our tree in many shapes. The plain Latin cross represents the kind of cross on which Jesus was crucified and signifies redemption. The um, Celtic cross, Celtic cross has a circle at the top representing eternal life. The cross with or symbolizes Christ's dominion over the world. The Maltese cross is formed by four spearheads pointing to the center. The Greek cross has arms of equal length. The cross and key is made with a Greek cross at the arm, as the arms are equal length. Joined to it is the Greek letter key, which is our letter X. The, uh, the chi is the first letter of Christ. The Christ and the cross, can we ever separate them? Only when we understand both the Christ and the cross can we begin to see the measure of God's love. The roses symbolize the nativity. The Jerusalem cross was a symbol of the Crusades. It was worn on the shields of the crusader kings of Jerusalem. The large center cross is made up of four T-shaped crosses called tau crosses. These four tau crosses join at their bases to form the larger square cross. Some suggest these four crosses that make up the center cross represent the Old Testament prophecies of a savior. The small crosses represent those who take up a cross, follow Jesus, and proclaim the gospel to the four corners of the world. The tall cross and brass serpent shows the serpent being lifted up on the cross and is a sign of salvation coming from the Old Testament when Moses lifted the brazen serpent. In John 3, 14 to 15, Christ says, as Moses lifted up the serpent, so must the son of man be lifted up. The tall cross is the shape of a T and is one of the oldest cross forms. It is said to be the true cross held up by Moses in the wilderness. The crown is on our tree in gold and as the crown of thrones, thorns. The golden crown represents the kingship of our Lord and his victory over sin and death. The crown of thorns represents the Lord's crown of suffering and his place of honor at the right hand of God. The INRI shown within the crown of thorns was written above, the, above Jesus on the cross. In English it reads, Jesus the Nazarene, King of the Jews. 
At his return, Jesus will be crowned with many crowns and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Revelation 19, 12, 16. The phoenix rising from flames represents the resurrection of our Lord. The phoenix is from Egyptian fables of the miraculous bird that would destroy itself in flames only to rise again to a new life. Thus it became the symbol of immortality. The chariot of fire symbolizes the fiery chariot that accompanied Elijah's ascension and two kings. This parallels the ascension of Christ in Acts 1. The seven-tongued flame symbolizes the Holy Spirit on Pentecost and the outpouring of the gifts of the spirit of wisdom, power, riches, strength, honor, glory, and blessings. The shamrock and triangle interwoven with circle has many symbols in it. The circle symbolizes eternity. The triangle is the true reign uh, true God, and the shamrock is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is represented on our tree by three large chrismons. The hand of God represents God the Father. O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. From Psalm 98.1. The Lamb of God represents God the Son. The next day, John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Here, the Lamb of God bears the banner of victory over sin and the death of the cross. The descending dove represents God the Holy Spirit. At Jesus' baptism in John 1.32, John records, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. The scalloped seashell is the Christian symbol of baptism. This Christmas has combined both the shell and the dove for Jesus' baptism. Several Christmas feature either a circle or a triangle or both. The circle represents the eternity of the Trinity. Three circles intertwining symbolize the eternal quality of the Trinity with no beginning or ending. The triangles represent the Trinity as well as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Cairo are the first two letters of the Greek word for Christ. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. The Cairo and Alpha and Omega appear on many of our Christmas. The cornerstone is a rectangular brick decorated with Greek letters and symbols. Ephesians 2.20 says that Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. There are several stars on our tree. The eight-pointed star is usually used to denote man's regeneration through baptism. The six-pointed star is used to denote the six days of creation. The five-pointed star is the epiphany star announcing the Savior's birth. The five points on this star are also symbolic of the five wounds of the Savior. The fish symbol represents Jesus Christ our Savior. The Greek letters for the word fish or ichthus are I, X, O, Y, and C. These letters are an acrostic on the Greek phrase Jesus Christ, God's Son, and Savior. The tracing of fish outline was used as a secret sign by early Christians hiding from the Romans. The iota chi symbol is made with two Greek letters. The iota, or capital I, is the first letter of Jesus in Greek. The chi, or capital X, is the first letter of Christ in Greek. Combined, the iota and chi make the Lord's cipher, an interwoven abbreviation of his given name and his title. The lilies of the valley flowers on the iota chi points to the Christ's innocence and humility. There are a number of circle Christmas. The dominant feature of this group is the white foam circle. Because it is endless, the circle can symbolize eternity and God the eternal one. The circle can then be decorated with different symbols and designs. These three chrismons symbolize Jesus. He is the son of righteousness. 
The Cairo in the middle of the sun represents Christ, and the rays are beaming outward as a source of light and life. The prophet Malachi proclaimed at the end of the Old Testament, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Malachi 4.2 The butterfly has long been a symbol of life after death. The remarkable transformation that takes place during the metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly beautifully illustrates the promise found in 1 Corinthians 15.52. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The lamb denotes that Jesus is the lamb of God. The harp is a Christian symbol representing music, joy, and worship in praising God. Hebrew scriptures and the Psalms were sung to melodies played on the harp. King David played the harp. The chalice is also called the cup. Jesus offered his blood to his disciples with a chalice which symbolized the sacrifice of Jesus' blood for the people. Jesus is the tree of life. The cross was a tree of death, but the man who died on it lives. The tree is known by its fruit, Matthew 12:33. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, Proverbs 11:30. The man Jesus is righteous altogether, and the fruit of this tree is eternal life for every person who will accept it. As we admire these ornaments on our tree that tell God's plan for our salvation through Jesus Christ, may we all be blessed with the love and joy and true meaning of Christmas. And now please join me as we sing, O Come All You Faithful. is presumed to be the first one to use a lighted tree. The story is told that on one Christmas Eve, Martin Luther wandered outdoors and became enraptured with the beauty of the starry sky. Its brilliance and loveliness led him to reflect on the glory of the first Christmas Eve as seen in Bethlehem's radiant skies. Wishing to share with his wife and children the enchantment he had felt, he cut from the forest an evergreen glistening with snow and took it home. He placed upon it candles to represent the glorious heavens he had seen. As we light our tree tonight, we remember that Christ is ever-present and that he is the tree of life. The lights on our tree remind us that the Christ child came to earth as the light of the world. John 1, verse 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And now please join me as we sing Away in a Manger. Jesus, no. 
And now please join me as we sing Angels We Have Heard On High. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Bethlehem speaks of the mystery of God's wisdom. Why God chose to send his son into our world as a baby of humble birth, Born in common surroundings, we do not know. What we do know is that God reached out to all people, including the poor and the wealthy, the simple and the wise, the powerless and the powerful. All who found him knelt in humility before him. During this season, we find ourselves with Mary and Joseph, with the shepherds and with the wise men, bowing before the manger, overwhelmed by God's expression of love in coming to us. And now please join me as we sing Solid Night, Holy Night.
It's now time to have our quiz on Christmas. <laughs> because you have memorized all of them, you know, how many symbols represent the Holy Spirit? That's a lot of them right in there. How many represent the triune God? There's a lot of those too. How many of them represent the death of Jesus? quite a few, right? Sometimes we don't stop to really think about all of the symbols that we have developed over the years and why have we done this? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Why have we developed all of these symbols of Christmas? Because we want to remember what Christmas is really about. We want to make sure that we keep Christ in Christmas. That it doesn't just become a time of eating and giving presents and having a good time, even though that's part of it. But that we keep focus on remembering that what we are celebrating during this season is the coming of Jesus into the world. That we're celebrating everything that he did since that moment. And what all of that means to us. One of the things we forget is that in ancient times, people didn't know how to read. There weren't that many people that were as literate. Only the elite actually learned how to read. So symbols were very important because symbols could convey a message to people that could not read or understand otherwise. If you went into churches, you would find stained glass windows that told biblical stories. Everywhere you looked in the church, there were symbols of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And the, tr the same is true about Christmas. So as we have decorated this tree and prepared this sanctuary for this Christmas season, what we have done is remind ourselves what Christmas is really about. We have declared our faith in Jesus as the Savior of the world, as the King of kings, as the Lord of lords. And we have basically stated with one voice that he is the Messiah and the one we needed. And boy, do we need Jesus this Christmas, don't we? We need him every year, but this year it just seems like Christmas could not come at a better time because Christmas is a reminder of the hope and the life that Jesus can only bring. It reminds us that no matter what we're going through, we're never alone because God sent his son into the world to remind us that he would always be with us and to give us life. So today, as we have sung the songs of Christmas, as we have decorated, and as we have prepared for this season, I hope you'll share some of what you learned tonight with someone else. I hope that you'll tell them about these symbols of Christmas. I hope that as you decorate your tree at home and, or your homes, that you will remember why you're doing it. That it's because you're trying to relive that story. You're trying to tell the story of the birth of Jesus in that manger. And by the way, kids, you're all invited to help me decorate because you guys are fast. Love it. Let us pray. Oh God, you have caused this world to shine with the illumination of the true light. You have given us your only begotten son to take our nature upon him, to reveal to us your glory 
and grace. As you have given this gift in love, may we receive it with joy. Grant that we, being regenerated and made your children by adoption and grace, may we daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit. Grant us, we pray, that as we have known the mystery of that light upon the earth, so may we also reflect the light to a darkened world through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Now may the God who has called us to live in hope and expectation go with you as you journey in faith toward the new future created by God's love that has dwelt and continues to dwell among us and in us. Go in his grace and in his peace. Amen.